says episode two and season two are going straight in. Uh, I'm back with Kiera. We are joined today by a very special person, um, someone I've been trying to get on last season podcast, but um, we have her for today's episode, um, a longtime friend, uh, Miss Jessica Gates. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate thank it. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. This should be good. So, uh, wanted to start today off with um, our dear white people. This comes from a conversation uh, me and Kira actually had um, earlier this week. So, um, dear white people, you can be racist and not even realize it. Um, you can say racist things and have the utmost... Um, well-being or intent and, and still comes off racist. Um, I have an example to actually uh, from something my wife told me. The, this person will be remain nameless, but they talked about, oh, I just love your, your ethnic hair and, it, it, you know, the way it looks or whatever. Um, could be harmless, but very, very racist. So, Kier or Jessica, you guys want to chime in? Wait, was this at work that this happened? Uh, no. Or was this interaction just out in the community? Yeah, well, my my wife gets, like, stuff like that all the time. Like, I remember when we were in Jamaica, the guy was like, well, what are you? Mm-hmm. I've actually, um, so when I wear my hair in wine curls, I usually get, like, really, really small wine curls. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll do it myself. And one time I was in Charlotte at a bar and um, me and a bartender, we were just talking, having a normal conversation. And then um, he asked me, was it all my hair? So I said, yes. So he said, well, what are you mixed with? I said, nothing. He was like, yes, you are. You just don't know it. So I'm like, yeah. I know both of my parents, and they is black. So and, and we could go back I'm to the one the one drop rule. If you got one drop of black blood, you black. So. Okay. <laughs> but it, then it's just like, I think for me, that just goes into, you think that black women can't have curly hair. Or, you know, you talk about, somebody will say something like, oh, you have such nice hair. Your hair is so pretty. What are you mixed with? That question, those two, that statement and that question together um, kind of implies that you are saying you must be mixed with something because your hair looks too nice for you to be black. But to go back to the dear white people part, um, I've had so many interactions with white people when they say things like that. Or um, just recently I was in Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains. And, um, you know, like when you go to the Smoky Mountains, you typically will stay in the cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my sister's 21st birthday, so we tried to find a bar to go to. I did warn them, hey, we are in deep Tennessee in the mountains. Uh, you know, so we go to the bar. And, of course, we are the only black people when we walk in, and it's a karaoke did, bar. Did they all turn and look at <laughs> They sure did. They all turned and looked, and they got so excited. You're probably the first black people they saw all week. Man, got so excited, like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so fun. Like, okay, so now you think that black people are your entertainment. But, mm-hmm. okay, so that's the problem there. But then, um, so one of the guys, a white guy, goes up to my friend as she is um, signing up for karaoke and he says what are you going to sing Lauren Hill the Fugees oh wow so first of all 
What? What are you talking about? That's so, my that, that, That's also funny because Maureen Hill ain't put nothing new out in forever. It's just so outdated. Since the 90s. Like, what are you like, talking about? Like, just got a, on yeah, a song with Nas, but that, that was last week. So, like, yeah. So, um, my friend, she was like, no, I'm singing Keisha Cole and Monica. So, we know he don't know who that is. So, as I'm recording them, he's he like, is that a group? He, I'm sure he was very confused. He comes up to me as they're singing the song, and I'm recording them. He's like, where are you guys from? You're so fun. So I said, Detroit. He said, oh, my gosh, really? I said, yeah. He was like, I just met someone from Detroit yesterday. And then he was like, um, she was bragging about her Detroit bo- booty, but she's a white girl. So I'm like, ah, what are you talking about? This it gets conversation worse. conversation just all the way left. It yeah. gets worse. So I'm like, um, okay. So he shows me a picture. I didn't ask for it, but that was the <laughs> flattest booty I've ever seen in my life. But whatever. And <laughs> then we go and have a seat after they're done singing. He decides to come over and he says, hey, did you guys see that your police chief is running for governor? How do you feel about that Gretchen woman? So we all like, well, we like her. So he was like, you don't like your black police chief? Oh, no, sir. We like Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> but my question is, as a man who lives in Tennessee, because I don't know the governor of Tennessee, why do you know anything that's happening in Michigan? We are states away. We are different regions. But I guaranteed you, had I said to him, hey, you are being offensive or you're being racist, he would have got offended. So the point that I am trying to make is that also, dear white people, being called racist is not more offensive than you being racist to somebody like that's So the fact that you all will get more offended about somebody calling you racist than being um, being concerned about the way that you made somebody feel for your racist comment says a lot. So I just encourage white people to if someone says to you, hey, you are being racist as a white person who does not um, who you know, racism does not affect you. You cannot tell me that you were not being racist if I told you what you said was racist to me. Your response should be, how can I fix this? Or, hey, let's reflect. It's a learning experience, not you getting upset about being called racist because Mm. that makes you appear more racist. They feel so badgered now, though. Like, I see that narrative now, like, they try to flip it back sometimes. Like, no, you're racist for calling me racist. It's, it's the new reverse racism. I, yo, I just, it's the biggest deflection thing, and I blame Trump for it or whatever. But yeah, yeah, they'll definitely flip it back on you and be like, no, you're racist for saying I'm racist. Mm-hmm. And so it's just crazy. And I remember I w- we did the whole Smoky Mountains thing, and I remember a bumper sticker, and it was so crazy. It said, and then this is how profound it was. It was like, if I would have known it would have been this much complaining, I would have picked the cotton myself. And I was like, ah. That's crazy. gotta go. Yeah. Gotta go. I was like, what? Not coming back. <laughs> like, what? Are you yeah, kidding me? And that, and that was the bumper sticker. I, and that was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And I was just remember going like, dang, that's crazy. Well, you know what, sir? Had you picked the cotton yourself, um, this country well, would not the, be the country that it is. Yeah, exactly. The, the new bumper sticker I, I saw that was profound said, Joe and the hoe gotta go. <laughs> Yo, they love calling. They love talking about her sexuality. It's so crazy. They 
Because they're sexist too. They're so well. Yeah. So do you think this country's more sexist or racist? Huh. I think they uh. just mad that she's the prettiest white person that we ever had. So. that, and she's black. But the way that they attack her, set they they call her. I don't even. You know, just whore stuff. I can't believe I'm up here whispering like whore and just stuff like that. Or like how know. they did to Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did the same. They make thing. her an animal, mm-hmm. and then yeah, they're always going for the sexuality of a black woman. Is this country more sexist or racist? I would have to go with racist. I would have to go with racist. Um, but I want to say, like, if we're doing on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say racism is 10, and then sexism is, like, 9.98. Yeah. I would, I would. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's not too far apart. But the only reason why I say more racist is... I don't know, honestly. What's know. the history I, teacher say? I would have to say probably racism. Um, on, especially now, like I feel like Trump just magnified yeah. uh, this belief in in his core believers and his followers that the the white race is dying. So we gotta do everything we can so, so the black and brown people don't don't overrun us because they're in the minority. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like it's just been magnified. Um, Sexism, I I feel like, is very close. I feel like it's starting to get more magnified, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just thinking offhand of what happened with the men and women's NCAA tournaments, Mm -hmm. how the women had to show the conditions that they were given compared to the the men. Uh, I will say probably America's more... Uh, subvert sexist than, than uh, racist. Yep, it's almost like, you know how like our racism used to be well, for a brief period, I would say since the passing of the Civil Rights Act in um, the 60s up until maybe like a couple, up until Trump, I would say it was more subvert racism. Um, and then now it's just out there. Yeah. yeah People I'm, feel I'm, more comfortable. I'm also thinking about what uh, President Obama said in his um, his book. Whew, that, that was a lot of reading. But um, <laughs> how he talked about Mitch McConnell wouldn't even talk to him because he was black. Like, he would have to send Joe Biden uh, to talk to Mitch McConnell. Like, he could, like, I'm like, you're the president of the United States, and, like, this one man can just refuse to talk to you because you're black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did, isn't he the one who said, well, well, we gave you guys Obama or something like that when they were talking about um, I think so. It could have been reparations him. for black people. It could have been yeah. um, <laughs> Lindsey Graham because Lindsey Graham said he wished he could go back to the good old days of segregation. Which kind of leads us into uh, what the hell just happened in America. Uh, we spent 20 years in Afghanistan. Uh, and Joe Biden um, pulled the U.S. out. Um, I'm seeing um, people talk about this reflects badly on the United States and Joe Biden, even though he is the third president actually to uh, campaign on the promise of getting us out of Afghanistan, but the, the first to actually do it. Um, so... Uh, what do you, what do you think? Does, is this the United States and Vietnam all over again? Uh, is American diplomacy um, dead? Uh, I do 
see comparisons um, and similarities between um, America and Vietnam versus like America and Afghanistan. Um, it's a tricky situation, and I think that uh, like everybody has so many opinions on it. But if we go back to the very like reason why the United States were there in the first place, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, the quote unquote reason was to um, get rid of the Taliban and to train um, the Afghan um, army and to provide them with everything that they needed to make sure that the Afghanistan would be successful, you know, like supposedly. Um, but for me, and it was something that I posted on Instagram today too. I feel like the fact that the Taliban were able to was able to take over so quickly shows what little work the United States has done in the past 20 years. Yeah, and it shows that that's, they weren't really there for the reason that they said they were there for. It was a money pit. Mm-hmm. I think it just drains us of resources unnecessarily. And I think it just speaks to the narrative of America being the police of the world and whatnot and always interjecting and stuff. So I'm actually kind of happy that we pulled out at least from my understanding of it. What about you? I agree. I'm happy that we pulled out. However, the United States needs to take in all of those Afghan refugees that they created. That's true. I did think about the displacement. Did you guys see the footage of the plane when they were trying to take off? I know. I had to. I know. I get it. It was it was just so crazy just to see it. And when you talk about at least, you know, give them refuge and whatnot like that. Yeah, because it does create just further, further, further situations like that where it's just people who are going to be drifting about they need a home country and everything like that but you see how they've been the last couple years i can't remember the stat they said i think it was like we only let in 1200 or something like that afghan refugees i believe it yeah because i mean well look who we just had and american-born muslims can't even uh stay clear of discrimination so just you know like if you and they're they may not even be muslim but if you are if you appear to be someone from this uh, a nationality in the Middle East, Americans will be really, really mean to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that discrimination still exists. Remember when 9-11 first happened mm-hmm. and they had those, there was just so many reports of people getting jumped, people, their families being shamed and everything like that. I remember those times. And I don't see it being any different if Afghan refugees were to be able to come over here either. It's just so much. Not in this climate. It's so much. Like, it's just... Yeah, because even, I'm thinking about you bringing up what happened to Muslims after 9-11 makes me think about the Asian hate. Mm-hmm. From COVID? From COVID. That's mm-hmm. um, real. Yeah, those were... I can't believe it was 20 years ago. Yeah. It's sad that our what the hell happened in America segment can also tie into dear white people because it is white people mostly being hateful. (laughs) And and, and making these decisions that have global um, impact. Mm -hmm. Hell, we could talk about uh, the the climate change and... uh, People denying climate change and so it's so crazy to me that now that the scientists want to say, "Yep, well, it's too late now." Now uh, you got Republicans in the House trying to scramble and figure something out and acting like they're concerned. You are not concerned. I was gonna say, yeah, that's if they even admit to it because there's still a huge swath of people who just deny it, which is so crazy. Like, how can you argue with like wildfires? We are hot. Flash floods. Yeah, like, just the the flooding, the rain. Like, how can you argue with these crazy weather systems? It's literally right in front of you. But I think their whole thing is it's not human-induced or whatever. 
So what's the what would be the counter argument if it's not human induced? This is not it's like a natural a, a, evolution. A, a regular cycle going on. They say uh. it's natural. They say dinosaurs died out, so this is supposed to happen. But the point is the acceleration of human output. I'm like, how do you think you can drive cars and have all this just mass transit and it it doesn't Things go anywhere? Yeah, like it has to go somewhere. That well, you know, it's the industrial revolution age and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we gotta do that. I mean, it's tons of way to tie in dear, dear white people mm-hmm. to um, what the hell happened in America. Because <laughs> um, even I'm thinking about still like Naomi Osaka mm-hmm. um, and everything like athletes of color have have went through, particularly uh, from shut up to dribble to now. Naomi Osaka and others being made fun of basically for saying that th- their mental health matters more mm-hmm. than entertaining um, the, the fans. Um, also thinking about Malice at the Palace that just came out on Netflix and Untold. And like you see a few people of color, you know, mm-hmm. um, but all the, the, the main agitators of the person that threw the beer, the person that um, came to run our test on, on the court were, were um, white. like <laughs> Per usual. And I always thought it was strange that the onus was on the players or oh, the players shouldn't have went in the stand. You literally just assaulted me with a beer. How do you think I'm supposed to react? Like, had, I, had you been on the street and did that to anybody, like... Had the players been white it would have been okay because it would have been, oh my gosh, why would you do that? They were protecting themselves. White people Mm -hmm. dehumanize us and this country dehumanizes us and we do not have feelings. We solely exist for their entertainment and for their benefit. Um, So when we are no longer benefiting them or entertaining them and going against what they have said, then now it is a problem. So when they, I feel like this country sees athletes um specifically black athletes as solely their entertainment um not a person who plays tennis as a job in the same way that you go into the office for your job that is their career you don't see it like that you see this person as just a tennis player who you watch on tv and if they're not available for you to watch tuesday at 8 p.m like they said they were going to be then how dare them um, it's, and it's not even just in the, inter- in the, in, um, the entertainment industry. I feel like that even working in corporate America, once we no longer benefit them or we are going against things that um, their, their values and we're not siding and agreeing with them, then it is a problem. Um, and that's just how it always is. So for them, um, we mental health is not a thing for us. It is, it is definitely okay for them to be bullied and sad about that bullying that happened 15 years ago and go kill a bunch of people in the school. However, if how dare a tennis player say like, hey, all of this media scrutiny and me being on the spotlight and having the world on my shoulders is kind of taking a toll on me. I need a break. But you're a millionaire, and that's usually the thing. It's like, but that doesn't absolve them from stuff or whatever. Like, they still wake up and go to sleep and still have the same pressures of things. But, yeah, they act like it's... Shooting, and, and Puffy and Biggie try to tell us more money, more problems. So. Yeah, I was about to quote Kanye. They say, even when you uh, uh, 
in a binge, you're still in a coop or whatever. Like, yep. so it doesn't matter. I, I just can't believe that sometimes they just expect people to perform like that. Like, I think that's what you were saying, Rodney, how they just see us as entertainment. You were saying it as well, too. Like, just perform, perform, perform like a workhorse. And no, these are actual people who and go through part things. part of that, too, is like, it's a stereotype for sure. Because, I mean, go back to slavery. We were required to work from the time that we woke up to the time that we went to sleep. And that was kind of just like a thing. Like, oh, look at her. She's strong. Look at him. She, mm-hmm. He's strong. That's how they picked out and bought slaves. Um, so I think that is just a stereotype that has lasted for so long, but I think that also we have a tendency to feed into that stereotype mm-hmm. and, um, we try to, we know that the world is looking at us and, and making us be, uh, strong. So then we try to be strong. And when we try to be strong and we try to keep going to work and keep doing things, pushing us, pushing ourselves past our limits, it does nothing but tell the people around us, white, black, male, female, it does nothing but tell the people around us like, hey, I can handle it. I can Mm -hmm. take it. But when we start being, yep, when we start being open, like, no, I need a break. Despite what somebody is going to say, then that's when more and more people are going to feel comfortable saying that, oh, I need a break too. And then it will become normalized. But I think that just with, I mean, like stereotypes and history and then on top of American culture, it's a good thing to be strong and to mm-hmm. not let... That's what we affection. pride ourselves on, the bootstrap and we're hard, we're grit and tough and whatnot like that. But yeah, I appreciate Simone for taking that step. I feel like because she said it, it kind of, you know, had a ripple effect. It mm-hmm. was, I think, a just a memorable year in that sense of like, we'll always remember the year that like... People actually spoke up for their mental health on that grand level, that grand stage. So, But Simone, yeah, she did, like, open the door. But it wasn't just black athletes saying it. Mm-hmm. It was white ones, too, that were like, yeah, my mental health is bad, too, so yeah. I'm going to sit this out. We don't see nobody saying nothing about them, though. No, they don't. Or the tennis players who lose it, like McEnroe and stuff like that. Like they, it's or, tennis or Djokovic after and Djokovic. Yeah, you is saw my, that with the is, racket is, is and my everything. Favorite tennis player of all time, and he he criticized mm. Simone and then had a tantrum tantrum. A meltdown the next day. Yes, I'm just happy that she was able to give voice to it and give reason. So Ooh. and um, I'm gonna close it out with this. Like it, I know. It gave me the powers last week to say, hey, because my, my principal wanted me to go to this workshop that was a week long. Last week, and I was like, my cousin died. Like, I'm, it's like a lot. Like, I really just cannot do it right mm-hmm. now. Like, I'm just mentally, physically, just, and emotionally exhausted. Like, would love to be a part of it, but you, you, you got to find somebody else right now because I, I can't process one more thing. Uh, Good for you. Which uh, leads me kind of into our, our main topic, um, friends. Um, I don't know why the Houdini song. I know. I, I said in my head, head how, I didn't uh, want to how many of us have. <laughs> um, we could argue all day about who has the um, better song, Houdini or TLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, by the way, was like, TLC, like it's not even close. I'm like, but every time I hear somebody say friends, I think, how many of us have them? Yeah, like, I yeah. do think about uh, that before I think about what about your friend. Yeah. Although, you now at the school, like I'm more likely to play what about your friends mm-hmm. first. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the evolution uh, of friendships, especially in adulthood, um, childhood, we can start with childhood friends. Um, 
how do they change um, in adulthood? I'm just thinking personally, even high school friends, like I can count on one hand people from high school I've talked to. Uh, it's, it's the, and I'm thinking about a conversation I also had with somebody this week about the whole term, no new friends. Um, mm-hmm. Should you have new friends um, in, in your adulthood? Like, what does that look like? Um, and what happens when friendships die or, or they change? Uh, so this is like, you know that you and I have had so many conversations just this year alone about friendships. Um, so for me, um, when I reflect on my child, so let me just backtrack. Um, I can count on one hand how many adult friends I have. And when I say adult friends, I mean that friends that I like became friends with as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of friends. I pride myself on having a lot of friends. I love having friends. But the majority of my friends I have known since I was a kid. And um, there is nothing wrong with that. But when I reflect on those friendships, um, a lot of times your friendships when you are a kid are circumstantial. Um, they are mostly circumstantial, but of course you are definitely going to bond with who you bond with based on common interests. However, you are more likely to be friends with someone because you live on the same block or you in class with them. Um, and then you will often see that sometimes when you don't live on the same block anymore or when you're not in the same class and you're not friends anymore. Right. So I look, I think about those as like more circumstantial than based on personal interest, because now as an adult, um, we don't have anything, in, not in, we don't have anything in common, but more so like the things that we value and like, we are so different. Like me and all of my adult friends, like all of us are completely different and we each have our own separate, like, um, we have our own friends that we made as, an, I mean, my childhood friends, we have friends that we made as adults. And we, when I look at my friends and like my childhood friends, my best friends, and I look at their new friendships, it does seem like their new friends are closer to them than I am mm-hmm. because it's because they have those common interests, those common interests as adults, our interests change as we grow. So the things that I was interested in in elementary school and middle school and high school, it may not be the same now. Mm-hmm. Um, or like for me, uh none of my childhood friends are um into uh saving black people in the way that I am. So I do have friends that are um into social justice but they have different um different passions than I do. Mm-hmm. Um and we often have like very very different political and social beliefs. Um and sometimes I will question, like, should I still be friends with this person? Yeah. Because. Yeah, we, we have that talk. Uh, yeah. Like, times. Should I still be friends with this person based on the fact that they don't agree with me here? Or should I be friends with this person based on the fact that they do something that I'm not, that I wouldn't do it as an adult? And it's like, uh, um, but I think that nothing is black and white and everything is complicated. And just because you may um, not share the same interest as adults. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to completely stop being friends mm-hmm. because there may be something else that we have in common or some other way that we can buy, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense because, like, I'm just thinking about two of my childhood friends. Like, we may go years without talking, but, like, we always had a bond that 
we grew up on this block together. Like when your mama put you out, like I, I was mm-hmm. there. Like I remember that. Like we can laugh and joke about it now. Like remember that time you ate up all the barbecue and your mom <laughs> came home. Like who, who ate up all the damn right. barbecue? <laughs> but those not those yeah. may not necessarily be the people that you talk to. Yeah, no. And yeah, like I said, those not people we I talk to consistently, but we still always have that that common bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then your question when you said no new friends. Um, I think that that is, um, I used to say that a lot actually. And then now as I get older, I like openly want friends, but I think that people say no new friends out of fear because as adults, it is hard to make friends. It's not necessarily hard. It's just scary. It's scary to just be like, I've actually been shooting my friendship shot. I've been sliding to people DM like, can you be my friend? Oh, nice. What's the response? Um, One girl, she and I went to brunch and we had a great time. And then, and we still talk now. That was two weeks ago. And then another girl, I just text her today. So oh, she nice. said, let's shoot for next week. So it's been kind of like working out. It's not like nobody's saying, no, I don't want to be a friend. Yeah. But <laughs> like, you know, like that's just not something that we normally do. So Good for you for reaching out though. Because it is, it's scary and it's hard. I do a lot of stuff by myself. It's not because I don't have friends. I've never been like a person with like a gaggle of bitches. Like it's friends, excuse me. You know, like mm-hmm. a gaggle of girls like, oh, it's 10 of us going to Miami. Like, yeah, it's never been like that for me. It's maybe two or three people, as you know, Rodney, you know, most of my friends who I've told you about, we've all lived in different states, even from undergrad people went to school in different states so I'm just used to friendships that are away some are local but um it's just hard like I go to concerts a lot like concerts are my things museums I go by myself so it's kind of odd to walk up to someone sometimes and be like hey but I have but I will say though I do live by the model travel light travel far so like I have met people at a concert like we might go outside and enjoy the atmosphere if you get what i'm saying or whatever mm-hmm. before we go back in and have like a quick little conversation and chop it up but lifelong friends it's hard i feel like because we're at work so much and whatnot too so it's like if you bond with a co-worker that's cool have y'all ever made friends with a co-worker that that you're still friends with to this day um yes actually <laughs> yes my best friend um so co-worker. yeah uh my very best friend like my best adult friend um she and I, we met in middle school and we were just like high and by in middle mm-hmm. school. She's a year older than me. And then, um, in college, she went to Eastern and I went to Michigan and, um, I worked at Lowe's and she was my boss at Lowe's oh. and we became friends from there. And, uh, actually it's two of them, her and my other, we just went to the Smoky Mountains together. So mm-hmm. we all became friends from work. Yes. Yeah, same for me. Like. My son's the godfather is somebody I met at 16 working at Pesapod Plus, working together. Oh, nice. And we've been friends ever since. Like, never had to, like, question his loyalty or anything. Like, we always just just been there for each other. Um, so, like, when I had a son, like, it was a no-brainer. Like, you're going to be the godfather. Um, so, yeah, but... And then, like, I have a couple of teacher friends, like, pretty much been friends. Like, I still talk to, like, a couple people from U-Prep, even though I've been gone from U-Prep uh, for a while. Um, two co-workers from CMA that are more, like, brothers to me. Like, mm-hmm. even when I leave CMA or they leave CMA, like, I know, like, because we hang out in the summertime, so. Well, now you just made me think of something randomly, but I realized that, Prior to, so 
prior to the pandemic, when I was in a relationship and life was normal, I didn't desire friends as much as I do now. But now I am single. Not only am I single, but I work from home and I go to school online. So I have no reason to leave my home, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not meeting new people. I'm not mingling with coworkers from eight to five Monday through Friday. It's isolative. It's yeah. And I miss and like I like work culture. Like I like a happy hour after work. Like that's how I got my dinner some nights because like it's food on sale. So mm-hmm. like why would I not go get some drinks after work and get some food? So I miss that whole like routine because I work remotely for the most part too, but I'm on a hybrid. So Okay. I used I to be on a hybrid before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And now it's just solely Completely? work from home. Oh wow. Yeah. And it's like I I thought that it would be something that I like, but it is is it's a little isolating yeah it's taxing for sure. even like being married and working from home like mm-hmm. it's days where me and my wife look at each other like we just like <laughs> just go get out the house for a couple right. hours like <laughs> yeah um but you brought up something that i actually had a question about um how do friendships change um when you're in a relationship um particularly um Friends are like the opposite sex. Um, oh, okay. For me, that didn't change. And it didn't change because, again, <laughs> all of my friends have been my friends since I was kids. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this person has been my friend since I was seven. There's no way I'm going to stop being their friend because we are in a relationship now. Mm-hmm. And we don't flirt. Like, we are, we are adults and we are friends. It is fine. Like, this is what it is. So I kind of set that boundary early on. Mm-hmm. Like... These are my friends, nothing more, nothing less. If you can't handle that, then you are childish and we don't need to be together. So it's never been an issue for me and vice versa. Um, well, I mean, I have only been in one real relationship, but it was not an issue <laughs> right? in that relationship. Keep it a buck. Yeah, and it <laughs> wasn't an issue with his uh, female friends either. So mm-hmm. like it, I don't think it necessarily changed. I think what... There are aspects that do change, but for me, like the opposite sex, that was never an issue because I, I like want healthy relationships. So I I talk about that. Um, and I set that boundary, but in ways that I think that friendships do change is when you are very, very open about what happens in your relationship with your friends, um, that can change your friendship because if they don't like whoever you are dating, then they don't want to come around anymore. Or then like with, for me, (laughs) my best friend is one of my best friends is is engaged and they have been together since we were in high school. So a lot of times we do like couple things, Mm -hmm. but then it's like, it's, I, I know that when we were, it seemed like we did more, things together as a couple when I was in a relationship Mm -hmm. versus now I don't see her fiance much. It's just me and my best friend. So I think it changes like that where you start to like hang out in different circles, Mm -hmm. more couple like circles um, instead of like individual friendships, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's different because you have to consider their whole thing. It's already hard, for, especially if they have kids, it's already hard for a parent to get out and actually even have free time. Mm -hmm. So when they're out, I'm sure they, you know, most times want to have their spouse with them. But I've definitely noticed um, a change, kind of two things. I know when my, my friends have kids or whatever, it's just, it's so different, you know. You can't talk past a certain time. You got to catch them when they can because mm-hmm. babies are just so unpredictable. They basically run the household. So you got to 
Yeah, they definitely are, yeah. are, are the boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like you got to catch a friend when you can. So that dynamic changes and whatnot like that. Like, you know, sometimes I have gone in waves where, like, I don't feel as close. But I understand, like, you're raising a whole human being out here. So it's okay if we can't talk about my dating life. And kind of what you were saying and kind of talking about, I'm always the perpetually single friend. I mean, I'm always dating and stuff like that. But by and large, yeah, I'm always, like... I'm the one on match. I'm I'm the one like I'm about to meet somebody. I even, I remember when Rodney um came over or something like that, and I remember I was like I'm about to go meet somebody at the park afterwards or whatever, like on some date stuff mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I'm just always that friend who's it's never necessarily a super long situation I've been in with someone. So I've never really done the whole oh we're doing this couples thing here, yeah. couples thing there. So I haven't necessarily experienced that dynamic, but I do think couples like to couple with other couples. Mm-hmm. I, I just think the socialization is easier. Their interests are probably more aligned mm-hmm. and whatnot. I remember I did, I was um, dating someone who I really did like or whatever, I, I, hopefully. But, you know, I cared about. And um, Rodney knows I love concerts and Cameron was in town. The rapper Cameron, R.I.P. to Dipset, who just failed at yeah, verses or whatever. <laughs> Rip to them for yeah, sure. Yeah, I got to pour something out for that. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I remember I was going to that concert with a male friend. Me and the male friend had gotten tickets, like, months before. And I was and I had just started dating some guy in the middle of me going to the concert. And I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to a concert with my friend on Tuesday night in Ann Arbor. It, uh, it was, like, the beginning of the end. Obviously, it was probably other things that probably led to things breaking down. But, <clears throat> excuse me. But yeah, I, I think the guy was so uncomfortable with me having a male friend. Maybe he had past baggage and stuff mm-hmm. like that with experience. This was a newly divorced guy too, so that's oh, another okay. that's yeah. another no no. But um, yeah, I oh, just think man. yeah, I want to be somebody's second wife. He says you do. Yeah, yeah. Let me be do. the second wife, so you know you don't learn all your mistakes. That's what you hope, but you got to hope that they healed and you, you know did, what you are and, right and, and did some work. You in are between right. That marriage. If they didn't do no work, then it then right. they just carrying it over. So mm-hmm. yeah, I remember the guy I was. Dating, everything just starts to deteriorate after that because I just think he had past issues with a past girlfriend mm-hmm. or someone just, you know, maybe being inappropriate with a friend. But this is a friend who we go to concerts, we go to house parties. Yeah. So I, did, I have something. friends like that too. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I lied when I said nothing changed. Something did change. I did not, like, out of respect for my boyfriend because we lived together, my male friends didn't come over if he wasn't there. Yeah. So, like, normally, like, when I would, like... um like I said, all of my friends since I was kids, like single digits. So like we, so like we would, um, we would, they would hang out at my house and I would cook or something like that. But once I got into a relationship and we lived together, it was more so like, Hey, Courtney isn't here. So you can come over another time. This like, is you know what I'm saying? Me. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you changed in your friendships? I always wanted to ask you, has your friendships changed with people? Cause I, you have a lot of friends. Have you noticed how things have changed? And uh, yes, yeah, some, some like so. For those that, and I think this is my first time mentioning it's like my best friend through high school, through most of my adult life, is a is a female. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Bianca. Um, so our our friendship, of course, has. Um, change his like my my wife is my best friend like she's the one like i talk to all the time now mm-hmm. and so like me and bianca like we're still friends of course like she's married like went to her wedding like me and her husband get along really well like if they were local if they're in the dc area like i know we would do things together like we facetime and zoom 
with each other all the time, but it definitely has changed. Like we don't like none of my friends I talk to as often as I, I used to, uh, or spend time with like I used to. Um, just the dynamic of being married, being in a relationship, mm-hmm. and now having this wonderful one year old that <laughs> runs everything in the in the household. Uh, but it's also like I don't really like the term "no new friends" um, because, like, out of marriage, like I've I've gained um, some friends. Uh, like my boy um, Tommy, uh, mm-hmm. who was married to my wife's best friend Jamie and Ali's godmother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, me and him are like super tight now, and part of it does like we all are doing couple things together. Uh, and like I'm just thinking about like we just went to um, the Columbus Zoo and we we went with them and they two two girls and I remember I was waiting on him to get there because I'm stuck at the American Girl store <laughs> with my wife and my daughter and so he got there I'm like okay we're going to the bar like <laughs> we out <laughs> so it, it's definitely um, changed um, and I think part of it is like also like an evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I'm not the same person I was like ten years ago now, and uh, fatherhood and parenthood, I, I think in general, just gives you a whole new uh, perspective and dynamic on life. Uh, and it's funny because part of the reason why I want to do this topic is like I feel like me and Kier's friendship relationship whatever you want to call it has changed through the years like i agree for sure here mm-hmm. was started out as like my student like i was her teacher and like yeah and involved into like a mentorship like i st- still remember i don't know if you even remember this uh and i was actually on the phone with my wife and we were just friends then but you called me from U of M crying. I remember driving up I there no idea and what calling. Uh, I still got the picture. Really? Uh, yeah, because Fidelia. Uh, I do remember. Up. I do remember. <laughs> you know you got to give me it's more It's all details. coming back to you. Yeah, yeah I do so remember. Just seeing that evolution, because, like, mm-hmm. we still have, like, this mentor, mentee re- thing going on but but i do think it's more friends yeah like here definitely a friend like here is a person i could call and just talk to Uh, you're an adult though yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) like i wasn't an adult when we when he was my teacher yeah yeah but yeah our friendship has changed i never thought about it until you said that just now so it's like the the evolutions of like Friendship that become stagnant, like, they end up dying. So, like, I feel like every friendship has, like, evolution and ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Like, my friend Curtis, how me and you met, like, mm-hmm. he ain't, like, we had talked uh, in, ooh, two years. Yeah. Like, I literally, like, so, like, supposed to come to my wedding. Like, we talked after the wedding, but then, like, we really went, like, probably two strong years without talking like and i mean it's a person that was my roommate we lived together like we have been boys for years and like we just got to the point because of i feel like this podcast and him doing a podcast as well we're like we kind of like rekindling that friendship but how do 
What do y'all consider a friend? Like, how do you consider somebody a friend? At what point do you start to call somebody a friend? I think when I feel comfortable and I can let my guard down, I'm kind of private. I'm very guarded, private person, even even when I think I'm being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've heard that I'm not as vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like when I recognize that I'm telling a little bit more than I would naturally you know, share and whatnot like that. And I've realized that that is honestly sometimes a more meaningful friendships, the ones where it's a lot more vulnerability. But I think, and I wouldn't even say time because I did meet someone as a roommate and whatnot and we became fast, fast friends. She's someone I would, I would consider a very good friend. So sometimes I say that to say sometimes it's not even just a matter of time. Sometimes it's just a matter of connection, yeah. essentially. I don't know if it's, like, we don't have to be in a life or death situation to right. be like, oh, man, she got my back or whatever. But just, I don't know, sometimes there's a defining moment that you walk away from, like, oh, this person was, you know, there for me. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's just based on a collection of just sometimes an instance, just a closeness. You just feel comfortable. You just, when you feel like like you want to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. I think for me, what about you all? Uh, that's my problem. I call everybody my friend. Do you mean it? Yes. Like, I do. Mm-hmm. I just... Once we, well, for me is, I I guess I'm kind of the same as you. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very introverted, not really like a social person, especially around a group of people. Mm-hmm. So if I do feel comfortable around you, comfortable enough to talk around you, then I just, and we've hung out more than once. That's my friend. <laughs> because otherwise, like, like they may not call me a friend, but I'm like, oh, my friend, my friend, my friend. So okay. I think that's why I ask because I want to get away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, Have some clear defining yeah. moments. Yeah, I do. This is a, a tough question because I feel like friendships are different for me uh, based on the, the relationship that I've had with that person. Mm. Um, I wouldn't hold every friend to the same expectations as I would uh, another. Uh, yeah, friend. I look at it as like you, my friend, but you probably like level one friend. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah. tears. And then, tears. <laughs> like I, I know a lot of people, so like certain people, I'm like, well, that's just an associate. Yeah. Okay. And so it's like, well, how do you make that di- distinction? Like, I feel like a friend. Uh, in some aspects, it's going to be like no matter the the time frame that we go to through without talking or being around each other, like I could call you and it's like we just picked up from where we left off at. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm particularly thinking about like my friendship with like Therese and like Bianca, like before Therese passed, like me and Therese, we could go four or six months without talking to each other, but we literally left off every time. Mm-hmm. Like, we just was able to just to, like, pick up, like, it was a, an air of familiarity. Uh, That's the best. And it makes you go, like, dang, we should do this more often. It makes you wish you would talk to them more often. And then I'm going to be honest. Like, I feel the people that I call my true friends, I'm probably closer to them than I am a lot of my family members. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially as you become an adult. I'm asking my close friends the same <laughs> question. At what point do you consider somebody a friend? I'm asking on Instagram. So Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to, to see what they say. Uh, and to, to be honest, I value um, a lot of my friendship more than I, than I value, rightly or wrongly, um, some of my relationships with like my family members. Um, 
like I just lost my cousin. I'm like, I told my wife, like, dang, I wish like me and like my cousins were closer, but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some of my cousins like me in two separate lanes, like, which is fine. Um, so there are like friends that I, I consider more more family um, than than uh, just friends. Uh, that happens. Your chosen family. That's what I was thinking when you first started talking about this subject. Is a lot of people's first friends are like their cousins and whatnot, like that. Like I know people who are, they all hang out at grandma's house. They just everyone's super close like that. Did you always? Did you guys grow up in that type of situation where like your family was your first friend or? Yes, you got a sister. I know. Do you have any siblings? Or are you only child? I have a little sister, but we there's a five year age difference um, and a generational difference. So I just learned. <laughs> I just learned <laughs> recently. Like I've had extensive conversations with people over the past few weeks about this. Um, so my sister just turned twenty one, and I took her, um, her best friend, and um, one of our little or our cousin who is the same age as her. They went to the Smoky Mountains with us. That was mm-hmm. for her birthday, and it was there that I realized that. It it was a generational difference. <laughs> um, uh, 2000 and on, they are different. Shout like, even though there's only five years, <laughs> yes, it is a difference. Um, so we did not grow up as friends. We mm. became friends as adults. And even still, it still feels more like 60% mommy-daughter relationship mm. and then 40% older sister-younger sister relationship. So like, no, <laughs> I did not grow up with my, my family as my first friends. Um, because even like I did grow up around my cousins, um, but they moved to Atlanta by the time I was 13. And then on top of that, it was just, our family life is so toxic. It was more like bullying. Mm. Now we will say now as adults, we'll say, Oh, this is my cousin that I grew up with. But when I reflect on that time, although I I trauma blocked a lot of stuff, the things that I do remember that it was a lot more mean stuff than growing up as friends. So my, I value, and that was something that I was going to say later on when it came up on the episode is that, I value my friendships way more than I do my relationships with my family, like way more. And it's very clear in the way that I interact with my family versus my friends in the way that, um, I make time for my friends versus me making time for my family. Um, so that could be another reason why I tend to use the word so fluidly as well. You're doing some work there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I look when we be on here, yeah, I be like, "Oh, <laughs> I was like, you know, she's really." <laughs> so, um, I'm going to go to you because I, I know uh, okay. oh. you, you you have a a, a friendship uh, with with your sister. So just oh. uh, talk talk about talk about that. Uh, no, my si- we're 18 months apart. My sister Ashley, she lives in New York. She's been there for about over 10 years. She's the person who made me fall in love with Janet Jackson. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't love Janet the way I do. Um, oh, I got a Janet vinyl over there. Oh, which album? It is the number one album that was at Target, which I am not. It was just the first one that I saw, but I realized that hardly any of the songs that I like are on there. That sucks. Yeah, it I'm does sorry. suck, so I haven't opened it. But no, she's, we're good. We're close. We just went to California. We actually went to the same college. We went to Hampton University. Um, 
she she went there first, obviously, because she's older. So it was helpful to have um, to have an older sibling there. I think as we got older and our personalities and likes got more defined, we kind of, you know, worked out a groove that like we respect each other as adults. Um, there are, you know, there are ebbs and flows that like I think you said, even with family as it relates, you know, her being away in New York is something I know when the pandemic first started last year, you know, we were all a little on tip, a little anxious and New York was like the epicenter. So I, I remember being like, Ashley, you have to text us at least every day. So we know you're okay. Just over dramatic and whatnot like that. She is Scorpio though. So she kind of blocked that. Um, but no, she's, she, she's great. Like I said, we went to LA a couple months ago, but yeah, we're just very, we're also very different people, but we're also very close in a lot of ways. She doesn't come to Michigan um, too often. I used to live in Connecticut, so I would be able to take a train up to New York or drive to New York, which wasn't a bad thing. So that kind of cut down on seeing her. I know I haven't been to New York since I feel like 2019, but she's typical big sister, super protective. Great. Uh, give some good advice sometimes. What about you and your sister? So uh, I I feel like I'm closer to like what Kiara was saying, like, cause there's a six year gap between me and my sister. Mm. Uh, and I've like, so my wife, uh, she has two younger sisters and then, um, two younger brothers on her dad's side, like her sisters and her whole family on her mom's side in general are like super close. Like they have the whole cousin, like group chat. And I'm like, I wish me and my cousins and my sister uh, were that close. Like, every holiday, like, her family is together. Uh, I love stuff like that. Yeah. So, and it's like, I will say through the last three or four years, maybe five, me and my sister have gotten closer. Um, we, we still aren't as close as I, I would like sometimes, but we are too totally different individual when it comes to a lot of things like uh i remember some like i was talking to my godmother at her job one day and somebody was like oh yeah, i bet your sister is just like you and my godmother was like no they're polar opposites of each other so um it is that dynamic like love my sister to death but um our interests aren't just like the same um yeah, that's how me and Lexi, that's how it is for us. But I just assume that is because it's no, that's not even true. Like we'll have similar interests. It's just our execution <laughs> styles are different. very different. Yeah. Same. We like, like me and my sister, we both love to travel. She's the type to get her plane ticket like the day before, even though she, knew, she even though she's known about the trip as were for me. Like I, I like to, a peace of mind. So I'm getting my ticket weeks in advance. She'd be on that Kevin McAllister running through the Mm-mm, airport. No, 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 no. I am <laughs> a planner. Y'all is not my yeah, best I'm mental health. Yeah. She, Jessica, you know, I mean, we can look at a hotel, you know, a couple of days before the prices aren't going to sister girl. Like for me, like it's not even about that. Like I need to know where I'm going to lay my head, what time I'm leaving. Like, but for her, so I feel you on. It sounds like me and Lexi. Yeah. She went to the Smoky Mountains and even Google Smoky Mountains to see what was, what there was to do there. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's I was the whole weekend. Like we've been planning this trip for months and not once did you Google things to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I, I just, I've Googled everything. I know everything there is to know about Gatlinburg. You like, know the proximity to things. Listen. You know where the restaurants are. You know what time they close. Yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. Which, I, well, I have 
two more questions. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you kind of like age difference. Um, do you feel like your friends have to be like around your age? Like, is is that an important factor in friendship? Can someone uh, younger or older be, be your friend? Uh, I have a friend that is younger than me. Um, I think that Ruth is two years younger than me, and we are actually very, very close. And Ruth and I's relationship ties into the question that I have for you all, um, which is, can you be friends with someone um, of a different race? But mm-hmm. we can talk about that later. Um, but uh, she's younger than me. And then I have a pl- plethora of friends who are older than me, with you being one of them. Uh, we actually have a friend in common, Tira. Um, Tira is, I think, 10 or so years older than yeah, me. Yeah, she's, so. she's about the same age as me. Like, yeah. I know her through Lauren, actually. Oh, so okay. You gain a friend. Like I said, you gain a friend through uh, marriage all the time. I actually, like, met Tira through my mom. It is a shame that my mom and I are so close in age that we can share friends. But um, <laughs> my mom and Tira were friends first, and then me and Tira just clicked more than my mom and Tira did. That's real. That happens sometimes. Wow. I have, um, now that you mentioned it, I supervise. I'm in, I'm in clinical social work. So I did, I supervise. I've been doing that for about three years and I have become really close. I would even consider her friend to people I've supervised and there. She's of a different race. She's, I'm mid thirties. I'm around Rodney's age. And Rachel has to be about maybe 27, 28 years old, but she could supervise me. Like that's how sharp she is. Like I would like, there's things I admire about her. So I feel like when I have had younger friends, I don't know if that's an ego thing. Like I've, I've usually admired something about them. Like that's as to why we're friends. Not to say like you have to give me something to admire for us to be friends. But I, I think we all know we can glean things from older people, mm-hmm. people more mature and whatnot. But I would say it's a range, maybe up to, you know, 46. I don't have some story where I'm visiting someone in a nursing home. Like, I wish I had those I, type of yeah. friends. Like, like I, a I, movie. Like, I visit yeah. Ethel and like, I bring her Edmonds. And she whatever. give me all the yeah. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, like, I'm not pa- I'm not braiding someone's hair down the hall at the nursing home. Not I yet. Wish. Not yet. Yeah. And, and so, I, I do have uh, Mr. B. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he is um, cute already. 65. So, uh, where'd you meet him? So, the, the crazy thing is, um, uh, we knew each other uh, for years uh, when I was yay high, just a lad, basically <laughs> um, going into church together at JSU. And oh. uh, then, like four or five years ago, uh, I met a cousin I didn't even know I had at uh, a funeral. And he's like, you know, he's passing out his business card, like, you know, my barbershop is on um, Instagram. So I'm like, and the crazy thing was, like, the day before, I was literally at the former place across the street, like, oh, that looks like a black barbershop. I got to go there. Um, so I walk in once Saturday to get my hair cut, and Mr. B is sitting there. Um, and so we, like, it's been like an instant friendship ever since. Like, we go get our haircuts. Every Saturday at the same time, like he's like, I'm looking forward to the. He calls it the Black Man Social Club. <laughs> so um, that's cute. And it, it brings in a a, a new per, perspective on on certain things uh, that I wouldn't always consider. And even um, like you said, with someone younger, like there's 
like with Kira, there are things that I admire about Kira. Um, I do. It's funny because I like see, like I feel like I've gotten to witness like firsthand the evolution of Kira from high school freshman um, to Kira the adult, and so uh, there are things I admire. There's some things in her that, that I see and like I had in myself when I was her age too so Tara uh, says the same thing to me as well like she likes to talk to me about my problems <laughs> because <laughs> she has the same problems as an adult or saw her or uh, older than me like just in a different kind of way because mm-hmm. she's older than me or problems that she had when she was my age so like when she's talking to me she's talking herself through it as yeah. well so she's like I get on you so hard because it was things that I wish I could tell my 26 year old so mm, that's love yeah um, to to go back to your question uh, can you be friends with uh, <laughs> someone of, of the opposite race I, I think you can under certain conditions yep <laughs> because Ruth is a very progressive white girl and that's what so. I would say like one of the two people from work that I consider brother, one of them is um, white mm-hmm. uh, and a few years older than me, but he's a very progressive and like you wouldn't think it because like he talks about it all the time, like his family's very conservative. Uh, Can we pause really, really quick how we have to call white people who believe in the right thing progressive? Yeah, I know like, you, you guys were. I mean, only, I mean, it's almost like conditional. Like, well, because they understand basic mm-hmm. humanity, it's like, yeah, yeah like that's the, like, like that's the cause it's, qualification. It's, mm-hmm. it's very, so I went to the University of Toledo uh, and it took me like, my roommates were white. Most of the people, because I was staying in the academic house and for whatever reason, like it was like six of us that were black. <laughs> it seemed like the whole dorm. So I just remember trying to navigate friendships with people that don't have the same views, same beliefs. Like it was hard. Like and I got know. to the point where, like, like yeah, <laughs> like I don't even know why. Um, pursuing it but I do remember um one friend in particular uh whose name is Kyle that grew up in Springboro Ohio which is very very rural that sounds rural and I remember him saying like he was scared of black people till he met me and I was like I was like sitting there like what you mean like he was scared of he's like you know because where I'm from we don't see a lot of black people so like he was basing everything that he saw what he saw on t- television and so he was like you know when I turn on TV this is the the image and like we could have a whole conversation about the role the media plays and stereotyping or typecasting um, black mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. so going into adulthood like if I'm gonna be friends with somebody of the um, opposite race like we it, they gotta meet certain criteria um, and I'm even thinking about my, so my wife is, is mixed, like her grandmother is, is Polish. And so um, just navigating what that relationship looked like on that side of family, like, like <laughs> my bonus daughter, London, like thought my wife was like white because 
you know, she is a lighter complexion than she is. So and just London is like your complexion or darker. Yeah. Yeah. She's a little darker, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Does she ever question it? So she's, she's question like she's had a normal question. Like, um, why am I, you know, darker than you? Like we've had a whole conversation, like mommy is still black and what it means to be black. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was funny the other day, like she referred to her uncle Larry as uh, white. Uncle Larry is very light skin. Like my white father and uncle, like they could probably have. For I thought her white dad was white back, you know. Oh, wow. But their mother's white. Their dad was uh, black. So mm-hmm. um, just still seeing like. My bonus daughter being 10, almost 11, navigating complexion and mm-hmm. race. And, and like, I, like the co-worker I'm thinking about, like, I remember she went to work with me one day. She was like, that's your friend? I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, he's, you know, white. I'm like, but we're still friends. Like, we have a lot of things in common, so. Going back to, like, when we were talking about being friends with white people that basically um, see, basically believe in the human race and and believe in humanity um, and see people as human, as being our friends. um, I think that as a black person, because society does not see us as human, that's like a bare minimum to be, to be friends with somebody that's not black because I have to be sure that you don't have harmful views that, can hurt me or people who look like me. And that sucks. It sucks that we have to navigate life like that in every space. And, it's, and I, let me say this. It's not only white people. Oh, yeah. Not only like, white people. Cal, like Chaldeans. I don't. I mm-hmm. don't try to be friends with Chaldeans. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking. Oh, okay, like, well, I went to school in the Southwest, so I'm used to like there, there used to be a lot of um, Middle Eastern people, a lot of Chaldeans and whatnot. But back to your question about having friends of a different race, I think it's possible. I, I but I always feel like there's going to be a blind spot to a degree. Like they're just not going to understand on a certain level. But then at the same time, you have black. Not every black person has the same experience. Just like beliefs. my black male friends, they don't have the experience as being a black woman. Yeah, I so know. it's always yeah. going to be a blind spot somewhere. But I think just, it, yeah, it just opened up another can of worms. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's I another. That's another episode. It could be beneficial. It, it could be beneficial. But I will say, most of my friends tend to be black or brown people, and just even because of the work I do, it's just typically in marginalized communities. I, when you you know like community gardening and all that little natural yeah. kashi croc stuff, yeah, you're gonna naturally be around people who look like you. Mm-hmm. So. so, so, um, you actually might have just because. I have one more question that I uh, wrote down as I was like going through possible things like on friendship, friends of different social classes. Like we talked about <laughs> age and, and 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 race, but but friends that may not be in the same social class as you. I think now that is where it gets tricky. Mm-hmm. For as somebody who went to a, a PWI with. Predominantly white institution. Uh, okay, a predominantly <laughs> white institution like Michigan, where a lot of the people are rich, even the black people are rich. It's textbook, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was very difficult. I don't have any friends that, 
I don't have East Side Kiki. Yeah. <laughs> so She's growing up on the friend. East Side, yeah. our black black friend, real black. <laughs> yeah, exactly what I was. The the black friend, the the ghetto mm-hmm. friend, the typecast. Yes. So, um, for me, I just prefer not to. I prefer not like, um, being. This is just on a large scale of things. In our country, we see how people treat poor people, no matter race, sex. Poor people are bottom of the barrel. We blame everything on poor people. We blame the reason why our taxes are high. Uh, Anything that goes wrong, Mm -hmm. society blames poor people. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, when you grow up poor or you are poor or not as not upper class, how can I, where, where can we connect? Because we've grown up so differently. It was very, very, even with the, the black students at Michigan who boasted about growing up in Detroit, but grew up in Indian Village, Boston Edison District, went to Country Day and schools mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Stay away from me. I don't want no parts. And because <laughs> not all of them, but a lot of the time, um, they look down on my blackness. They don't, they're not, yeah, it's not, they're not pro-black for everybody. They're pro-black in the ways that blackness looks right to them. And they don't recognize how Republican they are too. Yep. I feel like that's the curse of the educated black woman, I feel. Cause I, same Ooh, thing. Yeah. How about I have a best friend who was an educated black woman. In fact, this best friend grew up in the projects. But if you talk to her today, she will say, I have Republican views, some Republican views. What Republican views do you got? (laughs) How do they support you and your existence? But to answer your question, I I think it's possible, but it's hard. I think when I like, I think of my closest friends, they're married. So they got that dual income. Mm -hmm. I'm single Jess over here. So that is true. So my stuff is a little bit different. Like no one's tried to be like, let's go to Tahiti for 10 days. Like tomorrow, like it hasn't been anything crazy, but I do think sometimes Sometimes they might step back and reflect a little bit about certain asks and certain things. And I'm in social work, which is like notoriously an underpaid field anyway. So there is that. But I, I think it's possible. But it does make conversations a little different. The closest friends I have, I met them in a group called Jack and Jill. I was a Jack and Jill kid mm-hmm. um, or whatever. And that's known for being like snobby black people, quite frankly. Um, and I was the, and we've had this conversation, the poor Southfield one. I'm from Southfield. To me, Southfield's not... I can go on and on about it. Southfield rich to me. See, and that's so. And so to me, I always thought it was straight, but let other black people tell it. Oh, Southfield's hood is ghetto. I feel like anytime people see a collection I, I, of black people, it's they, ghetto. It, it's ghetto so, which is part just, of a messed up mindset. Just real quick, I talked to a girl uh, probably seven, eight years ago. And she was like, her life was ruined because she had to go to Southfield Latham. Like, because she got she got kicked out of Mercy and had to go. <laughs> so has she like been in Mercy? Like all of these terrible things that happened in her life wouldn't happen. So she wanted to stay in that that school setting and then Mercy with the plaid skirt and everything. My sister went to Mercy for a minute, but yeah, sometimes I do notice those difference. I feel like you sometimes, depending on the group of friends, I'm the hood one, and I've recently had to talk with you about that because I have a a really good friend and I talked with her that I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm gonna do a podcast, but she's you know, in a really good high earnings field and whatnot like that. And she had made a, a comment like, 
I thought they went to a school like South of Lathrop, Jessica, no offense, and juxtaposition to our friend who went to West Bloomfield. And you know what West Bloomfield looks like and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so we had a breakdown, honestly. And so we had to talk about it. I'm like, so what do you mean when you say someone who goes to South of Lathrop? Like, what type of person do you think graduates from Lathrop? And that brings me to, like, how I was going to say, in my experience, I have been offended more by... Um, in times where I'm trying to uh, uh, cultivate friendships, I've been more offended by black people who um, have more money than I do versus mm-hmm. white people that I'm trying to be friends with or men that I'm trying to be friends with. Like, I've just had more trouble with, and that could just be me, um, but mm-hmm. in my experience, I have been more offended by things that they have said. Like, It's true. I think it was Richard Wright who said the worst thing, the, the only thing worse than rich white folks is rich black folks. Mm-hmm. Whoever wrote it, who wrote yeah. Invisible Man? Was it Ellison? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that in his book, and that always stuck with me. I remember reading that in high school, and it's just so true and whatnot mm-hmm. like that. I think it's because we finally have a chance to be oppressive with what we consider we the proximity. Wait. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you just can't wait. You just want to be powerful because you've been oppressed for so long or haven't been I powerful. Know, I left. So I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's okay because... Um, have you experienced that? Have you have has a friend wrote you off for where you are, your status, or lack thereof? So, couple things. So I I grew up as the like from the age of one to four. Like we were on Puritan Littlefield, and we moved to Great Acres Shore with fours. Um, so I remember somebody asked me like where I grew up. I'm like Green Acres. They was like, oh, so you're not really from Detroit? Okay. And I'm like, that's kind of how I feel about people that grew up in Indian Village or but, like like big so, houses. I got like, so, <laughs> so I get I get where you you're you you coming from here because I've seen, mm-hmm. especially now in, in adulthood, like the the same people that I grew up with, like they have this elitist view. Like y'all might have had a little bit more money than you know some people. But y'all, first of all, y'all still black. Secondly, I remember you wearing the same shirt to school. <laughs> but no, I be wanting to tell people like, you know, um, if you lost your job today and you can't pay your bills after losing your job, you my friend too. Our, our bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you receive so, a stimulus check, uh, you too. The government considers you poor. Okay. So, <laughs> and it, and we I could we could do another podcast on this, but growing up in like Green Acres, and then like going to like my grandma's house that's on Wyoming and Plymouth, basically, mm-hmm. you like you seeing both sides of the, of the track. Like, why we stand here and like my cousin staying, you know, here or my grandma stay here, like. Or, like, having this been, like, the summer at my grandma's house playing basketball with the drug dealers. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like I got both sides. So, like, friends that I, I grew up with and, like, show and forth, like, it's only, like, two or three, like, I still talk to. Because I'm, like, I see them on Facebook and I'm, like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I get it. So, I, I, I do think being of different social classes does affect uh, your know, friendship because I feel like you see the world totally um, different like because they still although they don't they are agents of white supremacy they mm-hmm. are benefit benefiting from 
um, white supremacy. They may not have that white privilege, but they have privilege in other ways. And that white supremacist mindset of the richer being better than poor people, Mm -hmm. that is a way that you are being an agent of white supremacy. Or even like, it's this post that I keep seeing people post about, um, I am not talking white. I'm just showing my intelligence. Let's stop. Yeah. Let's, oh, let's pause. Let's pause. <laughs> let's pause because you're talking about your tone. You uh, like that don't have no, that don't have anything to do with your intelligence. The way yeah. that you talk. It if anything, it's a backwards compliment. Is what you're saying. And so yeah. you're, like you're kind of, like, like you're actually kind of perpetuating the thought and whatnot like that. No, typically it's due to me when I, when someone's because I've been. I've heard that and I was like, oh, you sound like Oreo. Someone thought I should be Hillary Banks for our senior Grammy night. I was like, oh, I know what you're trying to say. But um, yeah, no. <laughs> it's just, it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, so you're just saying the tone and my inflection of my voice because I go up at the end of certain mm-hmm. words. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's not because of your lexicon, dear. It's because of how you, it's how you talk. It's how you present yourself. It's not... I, I agree. It's we know people with words. words. I'm like, you know, I have had people say things to me about the way that I talk Oh, you don't that that doesn't sound intelligent. You don't talk like that. Um, hmm. Well, I don't care about sounding intelligent because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that I am a genius and smarter than you. Because you just said something dumb, so I know that I'm smarter than you. Yeah. But like you know what I'm saying? Like people mm-hmm. will say that, and um, it's like the it's just different dialects. Like you mm-hmm. just speak in a different dialect than somebody else. It's all does. about proximity. Like, like like if you grew up around Groves and in Birmingham your whole life, or you went to country day, I think one of you brought up country day or mm-hmm. something like that. If you grew up around a country day setting where it's predominantly white, why wouldn't you talk? I, I you know, unless you go into Lindsay or something, you know, going home to your grandma's house on the weekend or something like that. But if that's who you're around majority of the time, that's who you're gonna sound like. Just like if I grew up in like Brazil, I would probably have a Brazilian accent. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm gonna wrap up uh with this because <laughs> it's, it's been a great conversation uh i've seen reverse too like i have family members that have grown up in wealthy areas that want to be from inner city mm, detroit i've seen that so so you see bad too. you know what it is yeah. <laughs> no I, i'm talking about you, no, you growing that. up in like a half a million million dollar, dollar home like but you try and be in the city every day mm-hmm. or i know people who grew up in a half million dollar home and they're in jail right now from selling drugs because they just, just stupid stuff i remember when I, I went to hampton out in virginia and i remember so many people got locked up freshman you're like you came all the way down here for college and you getting locked up over dime bags of piff like you really came all this way just to sell drugs like what are you trying to prove it's almost like a rite of passage mm-hmm. In some, you know, just in some and, places. And we could, yeah, we could have a conversation about being black at a in college in general. But I'm gonna leave it with this because I remember at Toledo having fire drills in the middle of the night, having to stand outside, only to find out that while they were we're standing outside during this fire drill, they're checking room for drugs, particularly my room and the hmm. five other black people room that that stayed oh. in the academic house i'm not shocked that's terrible and i'm not surprised that happened at a pwi so this has been a a great conversation um definitely something we can continue um we thank you for for tuning in uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already done so follow us on instagram at going straight in you can follow me at the Bowtie Teacher. 
and you can follow Kira at Kira D Coleman and just is no Instagram. Just, <laughs> I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> so we'll see you guys in two weeks. Peace. Thank you.